Good morning for Wednesday, August 16, 2017. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news on the front page. Trump again says two sides at fault in rally violence. Also, premiums would soar if health law imploded. In today's national headlines, giving white nationalists an unequivocal lift. Protester who toppled Confederate statues arrested in North Carolina and 17-year-old arrested in vandalism at Holocaust Memorial. In today's business headlines, one humming factory braces for NAFTA talks, and unable to reverse its fortunes, law school closes. There will be more business news, more national and world stories, a roundup from the sports page and New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman. Now, as selected by the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories written from Washington. Trump again says two sides at fault in rally violence. Reported by Michael Shear and Maggie Haberman. President Trump reverted Tuesday to blaming both sides for the deadly violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, and at one point questioned whether the movement to pull down Confederate statues would lead to the desecration of memorials to George Washington. Abandoning his precisely chosen condemnations of the Ku Klux Klan and neo-Nazis from a day earlier, Trump defended his initial reaction to the unrest in Charlottesville. He drew the moral equivalency for which a bipartisan chorus and his own advisors had already criticized him. I think there is blame on both sides, Trump said in a combative exchange with reporters in Manhattan. You had a group on one side that was bad. You had a group on the other side that was also very violent. Nobody wants to say that. I'll say it right now. Trump defended those gathered in a Charlottesville park to protest the removal of a statue of Robert E. Lee. I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups, he said. Not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. He criticized alt-left groups that he claimed were very, very violent when they sought to confront the white nationalist and neo-Nazi groups that had gathered in Charlottesville. Many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee, Trump said. This week it is Robert E. Lee, and this week Stonewall Jackson. Is it George Washington next, he said, noting that the first American president had owned slaves. It was a remarkable rejection of the criticism he confronted after waiting two days before naming the right-wing groups in the bloodshed that ended with the death of a young woman after a car crashed into a crowd of protesters. At his scheduled event Tuesday about infrastructure, Trump asked for questions, contrary to the wishes of his aides, including John Kelly, his new chief of staff. Venting, Trump all but erased any goodwill he'd earned Monday when he named racist groups and called them repugnant to everything we hold dear. But Trump also made it clear that even with the benefit of hindsight, he does not accept the overwhelming criticism that he should have reserved his condemnation for the white supremacist and neo-Nazi groups. Trump called the driver of the car who the authorities said crashed into the crowd 20-year-old James Alex Fields, Jr., a disgrace to himself, his family, and his country. Speaking bluntly about an ongoing investigation, Trump said Fields, who's being held without bail on charges of murder and malicious wounding in the death of Heather Heyer, is a murderer. 
but he refused to explicitly say that the killing of the young woman was a case of domestic terrorism. This is the second front-page story, Walmart chief joins CEO protests. The chief executive of Walmart criticized President Trump in front of his 1.5 million employees, widening a rift between the White House and the business community that has been growing since the weekend's violence in Charlottesville, Virginia. As we watched the event and the response from President Trump over the weekend, we too felt that we had missed a critical opportunity to help bring our country together by unequivocally rejecting the appalling actions of white supremacists. Douglas McMillan, the Walmart CEO, wrote in a letter to employees late Monday. The rebuke from McMillan came as six other business leaders stepped down from presidential advisory councils, including too late on Monday. The CEO of Intel and Under Armour, citing their own values as the primary motivation for distancing themselves from Trump. The president hit back at his critics in the business world during a news conference on Tuesday. He spent several minutes lashing out at some of the most prominent executives in the country, saying that those who left his councils were not taking their jobs seriously and were leaving out of embarrassment. The departures represent a rare spectacle in which prominent executives are looking for ways to pull back from an American president who won partly on the strength of his pro-business stance. This has created an unusual calculus. Whether to stay on as advisors to a president, a role that traditionally is a coveted position with little to no attendant risk. The exodus began Monday when Merck's chief executive said he was resigning from Trump's manufacturing council, citing the president's tepid early statement on the violence in Charlottesville. On Tuesday, the leaders of a labor group and a nonprofit business alliance resigned from the same panel. McMillan has chosen to remain on Trump's Economic Advisory Council despite his criticisms. Here's the next front page.